Science, creation, genesis, and your spiritual growth. How do these things relate to each other? Energizing your spiritual growth. This week on Creation Magazine Live. The audio podcast that you're about to hear features scientific evidence for biblical creation. For many more evidences for the accuracy of the Bible, visit our website, creation.com. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name's Richard Fangrad. And I'm Thomas Bailey. This week on Creation Magazine Live, our topic is energizing your spiritual growth. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's a bit off topic for us. Uh, and, and, and to some extent, you're right. Uh, but since we are a Christian ministry and we do focus on spiritual issues, that's what we're going to be doing today. Right. But there is a connection between getting equipped with answers to faith-hindering questions and spiritual growth. Sure. As a ministry, our goal is to equip people with answers to questions that many people have regarding creation, evolution, and Genesis. We're going to begin by just laying out some thoughts about spiritual growth, and then in a few minutes we'll relate this to apologetics and what CMI does as a ministry. We hope that by the end of the show today, you'll be a little more encouraged about your own walk with Christ. Right, yeah. So let's begin by defining what that is, what spiritual growth is. Spiritual growth is the process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. There's a simple definition. Uh, the, the, the life of a Christian needs to be characterized by growth. Now, Thomas, you were, for a time, a pastor. That's right. All right. So pastors and shepherds, one of the goals of pastors is to grow their congregation spiritually, right? Absolutely. Yeah. A pastor preaches from God's Word, revealing the biblical truths written there. And of course, it's the Holy Spirit that then drives those truths home to the point where believers grow spiritually. Of course, there are more details to it than that. But yes. yes, the main goal of preaching is to accurately communicate God's Word. And the end goal is that people will grow closer to God as a result. That's right, yeah. And, and, and there are more details than that. But the, the Christian life isn't just a decision someone makes at one point in their life. It's a total life commitment. It, it's progressive. It's a continuous process throughout life. It's a growth process. And to better understand spiritual growth, we can break up salvation or being saved or being born again into three main sections. There's justification, which can be described as being saved from the penalty of sin. Right. Sanctification saved from the power of sin, and glorification, saved from the presence of sin. Yes, now let, let, let's add some details to those three stages there, if you like. Um, justification, saved from the penalty of sin. That's what happens when God transfers the righteousness of Christ to believers while simultaneously transferring believers' sins to Christ, which he then paid for by dying on the cross. That double transfer is summarized in, in what, one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God the Father took all our sin, even those we have, we have yet to commit, placed it on Christ who knew no sin. Then Christ paid for our sin so that all those who believe, all those who are in Christ, are made righteous. They're, they're made perfect, if you like. Uh, there's, there's so much gospel theology in that single verse. <laughs> Yes, the only reason anyone can be allowed into heaven is because they have been made righteous yes. or they have been made perfect, not by ourselves, not by doing good and avoiding evil, but because God declares us righteous as a result of the work of Christ. Yes. The point is, it's not our own good works that gets us into heaven. It is the righteousness of Christ. That's right, yeah. Uh, that's clarified elsewhere in Scripture. For example, in Philippians 3.9, 
uh, Paul says that uh, he, he can be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And that's what justification is all about. Next is sanctification, saved from the power of sin. And that's really what we're talking about today. Spiritual growth, progressive sanctification. After we are justified, we still sin. Yeah. But because we are given a new nature, we now have the spiritual ability to overcome sinful behavior. That's right. And it involves a desire to overcome sin. We'll never be sinless in this life. But as we grow spiritually, we will sin less. And that can be thought of as, as a reciprocation of our love back to Jesus because of what he did to save us. If, if, if somebody saves your life, a natural response is that you, you want to give back to that person. In other words, the person who has been saved from hell by Christ will naturally want to do whatever Christ asks them to do. We want to follow Christ. Sanctification has several meanings, but the meaning yeah. we're going to focus on today is the one related to spiritual growth. To be sanctified is to be separated from sin, to be set apart from sin, set apart for service to God. That's one meaning. Mm -hmm. Sanctification, the way we're focusing on it today, is what happens when believers progressively overcome more and more sin in their own lives, to be progressively more set apart. It's a striving to be more holy, that meaning of sanctification is basically a synonym for spiritual growth. The third one is glorification, saved from the presence of sin. It's the ultimate reward we'll receive when Jesus returns. The Bible says that if you die before Jesus returns, you immediately go into Christ's presence. Um, that's where all believers who have died since the beginning of creation are right now. Then, when Jesus returns, we'll be given new physical bodies that won't wear out. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 describes that. We'll be like Christ and living in a world without sin, pain, tears, or death. The entire creation that is currently groaning under the curse because of sin, as Romans 8 says, the whole creation will be renewed and restored back to the way it was before it was cursed. Right. On the new earth, there will be music, art, food, learning, culture. We'll invent new technologies and learn things that we didn't know before. And all of our activities on the new earth will be an act of worship to God. That's right, yeah. Uh, Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's worship. And, and we can do that to, to some extent here and now, but sin causes us to do things with other motives or for other reasons, not to the glory of God. When the presence of sin is finally removed, all that we do, eating, drinking, running, doing dishes, building relationships with people, working hard to accomplish some goal, uh, uh, using our talents that, that God gave us, all of it will be done as an act of worship to God, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to be great. Yes. But before the new heavens and earth, we need to deal with where we live now on this earth. Right. The Bible tells us to desire spiritual growth. For example, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 verse 2, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it, by the word of God, you may grow in respect to salvation. That refers to spiritual growth. Yes. Interesting analogy, isn't it? Babies have an intense desire for milk. That's how believers are to desire spiritual growth. Yeah. We're actually commanded to desire it. Right. Another verse that pertains to spiritual growth is a famous verse, Romans 12, 2. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Christians are to think differently. We're to think biblically. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So don't conform to this world, conform to Christ. And train your mind to be able to discern God's will. Increased discernment is a benefit of increased spiritual growth. Yes. Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher from 150 years ago, said, Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. In today's world, people are having trouble discerning right from flat out wrong. (laughs) But Spurgeon's definition is where believers will get to as they grow spiritually. Right. Yeah, that's true. So how does all this relate to the creation evolution issue and apologetics and and, and what we do as a ministry? Let's have a look at Ephesians 4. We're going to get there shortly. And he, that's Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So God gave to the church different groups of people with skills in particular areas. As a ministry, we would probably fit into that teacher's category. We teach in a particular area of Scripture, right? Right. And why were they given? Let's keep reading. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, to build the church, to edify believers, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It would be nice to have more unity, wouldn't it? That's another benefit of spiritual growth. As we grow in our understanding, our knowledge of the Son of God, we grow closer to each other. We unify around the truths of Scripture. Right. And then we read, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. And there's another great benefit to all of this. Here it is. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That is a huge benefit. As we grow in Christ, we're not going to be overcome by life storms, by some, by some cult or deceitful scheme. And guess what? Evolution is a massive deceitful scheme. And we understand that some of you might be saying, what, really? (laughs) Many churchgoers don't recognize it as deceitful and are being tossed to and fro by falsehoods surrounding the origins debate. And this particular deceitful scheme is having a devastating effect on churchgoers. Yeah, it is. And to see that, we can have a look at some survey results. And we've mentioned these on Creation Magazine Live before. Uh, There have been surveys done in the church that show very high percentages of mostly young people and adults who leave the church. And you can see some of the numbers there. Isn't that staggering? And notice that all of the surveys return these incredibly high results. I mean, we might be able to dismiss them if the majority of surveys returned results of 3% or 4, 5% or, or 8%, but that's not what's, what's happening. Yeah. Something is very wrong. We can't seem to keep our own kids in the church. You know what? These surveys reveal a breakdown of spiritual growth. Now, now let's explain that. How does stagnated growth relate to these results? Well, let's think of people at different stages of spiritual growth. As Christians, we want to move closer to Christ over there on the right. Well, what would the extreme other end of that look like? Well, that might be the Mm God-hater, somebody who is angry with God, not interested in having anything to do with God. Yeah, and, and maybe some of you used to be at that stage of spiritual growth and, and have moved on, or maybe some of you are still there. Uh, we can think of other stages. For example, the questioning non-believer. That's someone who's wondering about Christianity. 
Maybe asking questions like, you know, is it really true? Can I trust it? What, what about this? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Things like that. It's important to understand that that's a normal part of spiritual growth. Right. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, youth leaders, don't think that the world is coming to an end just because the youth in your church or your children or your grandchildren, as they get into junior high or high school, start asking questions about the Bible and theology, thinking they're heading toward atheism. Right. Yeah. It's a normal phase of spiritual growth. Yeah, uh, the Bible is under attack, and, it, and it's always been under attack. But today, the attacks are so much more blatant that, than, they, than they were a generation or two ago. Now, as a result, a normal young person today growing up in a Christian environment will be very likely to have faith-hindering questions about the Bible. The goal with spiritual growth is to push through that stage, getting right. to the point where you know that the Bible is true. So another normal part of spiritual growth is getting answers to those faith-hindering questions. Right, and, and, then, and then moving on from there to the point where they trust Christ, of course. The problem is many people never get there. They end up becoming one of these survey results. So what happened? Well, they were confronted with questions like, how did dinosaurs fit into the Bible? How did Noah get all the animals on the ark? Where'd the water come from for the flood? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? And science disproves the Bible anyways. Where does an ice age fit into the Bible? And many others... And that throws up a barrier that hinders further spiritual growth. They never get answers to those questions, and they become convinced over time that the Bible must be wrong, and they drift away. And the survey results show that. Yeah. We have significant challenges as a church today. We do. We live at a time when the Bible and truth are under attack, and many Christians just aren't equipped to deal with those attacks. And that causes them to question what they've grown up with in the church, and if they're not given answers... Then, then the world is more than happy to provide them with answers. That's right, yeah. Oh, yes, we'll tell you all about the universe and how it came to be, and it has nothing to do with God. Yeah, they'll explain everything around us without God, and, and there are very smart people doing that. And there are well-produced documentaries with beautiful cinematography, very, very convincing. Uh, they're ultimately wrong, but many people are convinced. That's true. Many people are convinced. Anti-God notions like evolution are very loud, and they're everywhere. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're right. The good news in all of this is that the Bible really is true. Humans did not evolve from slime. We're made in the image of God. Life has meaning and purpose. That's right, that's, and that's the good news. Uh, but we have no doubt that some of you watching can relate to those survey results personally. Everywhere our speakers and scientists travel, we meet people who've that, you know, they've tried their best to raise their kids in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but they reach a point where their kids basically said, you know what, mom and dad, um, not interested in coming to church anymore. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Maybe some of you watching are at that stage where you have big questions about Christianity and the Bible. Right. And you can feel yourself drifting away from the God of the Bible rather than toward Him. So what's the solution? What's the way forward? Well, the, the way forward is get answers to those faith-hindering questions. There are answers. The, the attacks against truth by the skeptics can and have been refuted. The Bible is true. God exists, and He hates sin. And everyone will one day stand before Him to give an account for their sins. Your spiritual growth is not something that can be taken lightly or flippantly with a casual attitude. Your eternal destiny depends on it. So what's holding you back? Many people don't trust God's Word enough or don't know it well enough to base their life on it. Right. If that describes you, then there's the answer. Get to the point where you know that God's Word is true. 
That's right, yeah. Get answers to those faith-hindering questions that you might have. That, that's a good place to start. Uh, there's a huge amount of material available nowadays to help provide that equipping that will encourage your faith, energize your faith, energize your spiritual growth. Uh, as we've said before, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And science supports Scripture. Something else that you can do to energize your spiritual growth is explore answers to questions that you might never have thought of. Uh, those sample questions that, that are here, some of you might never have thought to ask those. But as you get answers to those questions and others, it encourages your faith. It builds your faith. That is, it builds within you a solid confidence that the Bible is true. That's a part of spiritual growth. And that's right. The Bible defines faith as being sure of something that we cannot see directly. Yeah. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Having strong faith means having a strong assurance, or we could say evidence, that what we cannot see is actually true. Yeah, and, and that's a lifelong process for the Christian. It sure is. The Apostle Paul talks about continually growing in Christ. He compares it to running a race. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I pr press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, there's bad news about the lack of spiritual growth among many churchgoers today, as evidenced by those surveys, but there's also tremendously good news that one of the biggest factors preventing spiritual growth today can be overcome. We've already hinted at some practical things you can do to energize your spiritual growth, and we'll mention a few more. That's right, yeah. The writer of Hebrews describes the, the church at his time, and, and I think it also applies to the, to the church today. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Most of the visible church uh, today is biblically ignorant. Uh, I, I know that, that might be a, a tough truth to swallow, but it's true. And you know that by seeing what comes out of it. I mean, you, you, you see some of these, these characters on TV, the Christ, Christian TV or religious TV or whatever you want to call it, the kind of the same the same. Uh, uh, that might be on this channel, wherever you're watching this. Or some, of these, some of these organizations, they self-label as Christian, and you see what comes out of there. It has nothing to do with Christianity at all. That's right. But we need to move beyond that. Yes. See, Hebrews continues, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Mm -hmm. By constant practice. Yes. There's a clue there. Yep. It's talking <laughs> about growing spiritually, becoming spiritually mature, through training, being able to discern right from almost right, yes. and achieving these goals by constant practice, by things like reading your Bible, for example. Yeah, yeah, constant practice. So what does that look like? It means being in the Word regularly, constant practice, right? It means understanding the falsehoods that are out there that stand in opposition to God's Word and knowing how to refute them, doing a little bit of that. It's about learning truth, yeah. basically. Now, here's where people might get discouraged, right? Yeah. We said this would be encouraging. So you might be thinking, oh, no, does that mean I have to drop what I'm doing and go to Bible college? 
Well, well, it might mean that for some of you. Well, for, for some of you, yeah. Yeah, for most of you, as we've already said, there are amazing tools available for Christians today that didn't exist for generations past. For example, this year, 2018, when we're recording this show, is the 40th anniversary of Creation right. Magazine, our flagship publication. This magazine has changed thousands of lives around the world in these last four decades. It goes out to over 100 countries. Each article in the magazine shows how the Bible can be trusted in different areas. There's support for the biblical text from biology and geology and paleontology and physics and all kinds of different things. Great stuff. That's a great tool. That's right. It's a constant feed of faith-building information. It's coming every three months. So through this constant practice, you'll get answers to questions and grow more solid in your faith. And you can view a free sample copy online at creation.com slash free mag. Yeah, if, if, you, if you like it, you can, you can see it there. Uh, flip through it online. If you like it, you can subscribe. Um, other suggestions. Seek out resources that answer questions that you might have from organizations that have a high view of Scripture. Not everything on the bookshelf at your local Christian bookstore, and there aren't that many Christian bookstores available around now anyways, but not everything labeled as Christian is Christian. Attend a church where God's Word is taught as inerrant, not just the pastor's opinion about what he thinks it means. Look, look for things that look for organizations and churches that have a high view of Scripture. Right. You want to read books that explain the more difficult to understand portions of the Scripture. Yeah. When you study the Bible directly, you can use commentaries that will explain the biblical text. Mm -hmm. For example, you could start with uh, our own commentary on Genesis, yeah. the Genesis account written by one of our scientists. That's, that's a good place to start, yeah. right? You could watch more of these TV shows. You could watch more Creation Magazine Live. And I'm kind of joking, but kind of being serious. Now, we recently passed the 150 episodes mark. There are more than 150 episodes that we've done over wow. these past years covering a huge range of topics. And they're all online now. If you're watching this on your, your favorite religious broadcaster around the world, they're all online, and you, just, you don't even need to read. See? <laughs> That's right. You, you can just pick, pick an episode, hit play, and go make a bowl of popcorn or wash the dishes or something like that. You can listen to us talk about some of these areas in Scripture where many people struggle and the relationship between science and the Scripture. Yeah, that's what we do on the show. Yeah. Now, the bottom line is, it's not hard to grow in your walk with Christ. Use resources. It's, it's going to take a little effort, but not a great effort. It, it, it's something that you can do. That's right. And you know what? We'd love to hear from you. If this yep. show has helped you to understand more about science or the true history of the Bible, you can send us a note through the feedback section at creation.com. Yes, that's right. And we'll see you next week. And remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And science supports Scripture. Both the Creation Magazine Live TV show and this podcast are produced by Creation Ministries International, a global think tank organization dedicated to disseminating the huge amount of scientific evidence for the accuracy of the biblical account of the origin of our universe. If you'd like to donate to keep this information coming, go to creation.com donate. And thanks for listening.